Hello, welcome to the Sermons Podcast of Horizon Church in Allentown, Pennsylvania. We want to help people connect with God and connect with each other. If you'd like to know more about us, you can go to our website at horizonconnect.org. Enjoy. Um, well, I'm kind of thinking we could be done at this point, right? <laughs> Sorry, you don't get to vote on that. Uh, um, anyway, uh, so thank you so much, Andrew. Andy. Very true, great words, and um, very grateful for that reminder. I told the kids that we would pray. Oh, I did forget. I did, I did want to say um, thank you. Thank you so much on behalf of Andy and I for Pastor Appreciation Sunday last week. Thank you for appreciating my wife and my family as well. Um, it, it, it was a wonderful week. Um, I love the cards, the gifts. I love the pictures on the wall. And for those of you who are here, you know there were pictures scattered throughout um, the sanctuary of all of you. I was going to leave them up. Um, the pictures of your families on the chairs. Don and I came in last night. I said, oh, I, I want to leave them up because... Um, none of the pictures ever fall asleep, um, but um, what we were afraid of is that uh, some of you would think they're reserved seats, so we got rid of them, and you can fall asleep, and that's all right, uh, um, but I do want to uh, just thank you very much from the bottom of my heart. Very, very grateful, very humbling, very moved, um, so let's pray. God, thank you. Thank you very much for the reminder to not be sword losers. Thank you, God, for the privilege of voting, and I simply pray, God, that you would help us to be gracious in winning and in losing. Pray, God, for wisdom. Pray for our country. Pray for our world and our influence in it. God, I pray now for us as we pay attention to your word that you'd be at work transforming us into the people you want us to be. If I have gotten off track or say anything wrong, God, I one more time trust that your spirit will be at work guarding us from untruth or inaccuracies. I thank you, God, that your spirit's also at work changing us to be the kind of people you want us to be in your world, and I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I know a bunch of you will know that I have a younger brother, um, and my brother is 12 years younger than I am. So two weeks ago, for his 26th birthday, um, well, I tried. I guess I, I can't get away with that because you've seen his picture and you know that he's getting a gray beard, right? Anyway, the truth about my younger brother is that he's a musician, lives in Nashville, Tennessee, and he recently, about two weeks ago, he released a video of the Phil Collins, Phil Collins song, Land of Confusion. Um, now, I think in music lingo, um, I should be properly saying that he covered that old Genesis song, but I'm not even sure if I said that right. But that's what he did. Now, I did not know that my brother Jim liked Phil Collins and Genesis. Uh, they were always a favorite of mine as well. I love Phil Collins, love Genesis. But as, um, as my brother Jim was still watching The Muppet Show when I left for college, <laughs> I had no idea, and we rarely talked about music. Uh, but he did this video in the song, and the video is wonderful. And if you get a chance, you should go on YouTube, and you can find it just by searching Jim Daniker, 
and you can watch it. I'm actually in it, in this video, uh, but you'll never know it because it is less than a second, <laughs> which is a conversation I assure you we will have at Christmas. <laughs> anyway, this video, uh, Jim's video, um, and he says this on, on Facebook anyway, that he did this video, Land of Confusion, because it is a perfect song for the time we live in. And Don and I have listened to this a couple times, and we listened to the lyrics, and both of us agreed when we listened to the lyrics that it is absolutely perfect for the time we live in. There's too many men, too many people making too many problems, and there's not enough love to go around. Can't you see this is the land of confusion? This is the world we live in. And that's truth, isn't it? I don't know how Phil Collins and Mike Rutherford knew that this would be our world in 2020 when they wrote that song, 34 years after they released it. I don't know how they knew that someday, 34 years down the road, we would live in a land of confusion. How did they know? Well, they didn't know, did they? They were writing about the world they lived in 34 years ago. The good old days, right? Not a whole lot has changed. Which is pretty sad when you think about it because Phil Collins has a line in this song that says, my generation will put it right. And as Phil Collins is now 69 years old, I'd say his generation, which is also mine, is running out of time, to put it right, don't you think? This is the world we live in. You know, one time in a very meaningful prayer, Jesus prayed for this world. It was his last night this side of the cross. Now, you need to know um, this world is not the only thing he prayed for that night. He prayed for himself. Those of you who think it's wrong to pray for yourself, Jesus did. I'd say he's not such a bad model. He prayed for his friends, he prayed for us, and he prayed for this world. So I want to read a very small portion of this prayer. It's from John chapter 17. It's Longer than I'll read, but John chapter 17. We'll put it on the screen. You can follow along. If you're looking at your own Bibles here or at home or watching and you're looking at your Bible on your phone or your screen, just kind of keep it handy because there's some things I won't read that I'll, I'll, pay it, I'll call attention to. But John chapter 17, and I'd suggest keeping your Bible open or your phone handy when we're done reading. I'm going to start reading at verse 13 in the middle of the prayer, picking up. And Jesus prayed to his Father, Now I am coming to you. I told them many things, speaking of his followers, I told them many things while I was with them in this world, so they would be filled with my joy. I've given them your word, and the world hates them 
because they do not belong to the world, just as I not be, do not belong to the world. I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. They don't belong to this world any more than I do. Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. Just as you sent me into this world, I am sending them into the world. And I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them so that they can be made holy by your truth. I'm praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one. As you are in me, Father, and I am in you, may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. Now, I want you to know that what we're going to do starting today and over the next three weeks is we're going to talk about this world and we're going to talk about our place in it. And this morning, we're going to talk a little bit about the mission of God in this world. Now, when I say we're going to talk about our place in it, I do not mean our place individually, as in, you know, like, what's my place in this world? How do I fit in this world? I don't mean individually. I mean our place in this world as the church, capital C, the people of God, the body of Christ. What does Jesus intend for the church in this world? Now, I only read a portion of this prayer, but maybe you already caught that that's one of the major themes of this prayer. Jesus is praying for the church, for his people, and he's praying that his people would know their place in this world. If you would read through this prayer and count, and I did, at least one half of the sentences in this prayer Jesus uses the word world or the word earth. More than half the time, he's praying for this world, for this earth. And my guess is that it's probably pretty obvious to you, and I probably don't have to say this, but when Jesus prays for the world, Jesus is not talking about a place, as in, this is the sun, this is the moon, this is the earth. He's not talking about the globe, the place. Jesus is talking about the world, and he's using that word world the same way that Phil Collins used the word world in that song when he said, this is the world we live in. Phil Collins isn't saying, we happen to live on this particular sphere in this solar system. He's not talking about the globe. He's talking about a kind of an environment. He's talking about a domain. Phil Collins and Jesus, they are both talking about all of the jumbled up systems of power and systems of conflict 
and all the value systems and all of the cultures and all of the tribes and all of the clans and all of the corporations and all of the governments and all of the families and all of the political parties and all the labor unions and all the small businesses and all the ethnic groups and all of the school districts and all of the militaries and all the denominations and all the banks and all of the social media giants. And he's talking about all of that jumbled up mess and he's talking about how all of those domains, how they all are always bumping into each other and how they are always fighting each other and how they get angry and they go on, they go on strike and they throw bricks and they put up fences and they make memberships and they make borders and they put on uniforms, official or non-official, so that you know who is in and who is out. And they make rules and they elect presidents and they go for motorcycle rides as a group and they sell commercials and they make their own flags. And that's the way Phil Collins is talking about the world, that environment, all those jumbled up mixes of power. Now, very often when Jesus talks in the Bible about that world, he will use another word rather than world. Jesus will often talk about the kingdoms of this world. And that's what he's talking about, the kingdoms of this world. But Jesus also says there's another kingdom, and it is the kingdom of God, and it exists right now, and it is here, right here, and it is real. And a long time ago, God sent his son from the kingdom of God and he said, I am sending you into the kingdoms of this world. And when Jesus began his ministry, according to the gospel of Mark, the very first sentence that ever came out of Jesus' mouth was an announcement that the kingdom of God is now here. When Jesus said, the time promised by God long ago has come. The kingdom of God is near Repent and believe this good news. The mission of God is for his son to bring the kingdom of God here. Now, there's a ton that we could talk about, about the kingdom of God and what it's all about. In fact, Jesus spent his entire ministry talking about the kingdom of God, as well as doing signs to clearly demonstrate that the kingdom of God is here. We call those signs miracles, but Jesus called them signs of the kingdom of the God. But understand that when Jesus said that the kingdom of God is near in Mark, he didn't mean to be talking about time as, is, as in it is coming soon. He talked about the kingdom of God being near in terms of space. And he was saying that the kingdom of God is right here and it is so near you. It is so near you that if you were a different sort of creature, you could reach out and touch it and grab it and hold on to. And if you want to, Jesus is saying, you can live in the kingdom starting right now. You really can. It is here and you can live in it. But the kingdom of God isn't really our subject, so we can't spend a ton of time talking about it. Our subject is the kingdoms of this world, this land of confusion. And this is our subject. 
that Jesus was sent into this land of confusion. Our Father, the most gracious, magnificent, omnipotent being, is a sending God. And so he sent his Son into this land of confusion in a kingdom invasion. And that is the claim of Jesus in this prayer. You can't miss it when Jesus is saying, I'm the one you sent. I'm the one. And the purpose is right there as well in verse 3. The purpose is so that Jesus could make God known. His purpose is to reveal God. That is the claim of Jesus in this prayer. In verse 6, he said it as plainly as he, as he can. I have come, I've revealed you to the ones you gave me from this world. Now that truth is obviously important for us to know. Jesus wants us to know it, that he was sent by God into this world to reveal God. It wouldn't be written if it wasn't important for us to know. But this is where it gets really, really important for you and I. As important as that truth is for us to know that Jesus was sent into this world. In the same way that the Father sent Jesus, Jesus has sent us. Jesus has sent us into this land of confusion. The exact same way that the Father sent Jesus, Jesus sent us. It could not be more plain. Verse 18, just as you sent me, Father, into this world, I am sending them into the world. See, here's the thing about us about the church that we just don't understand and we fail to see. We do not exist for ourselves. Jesus never ever said, you know, it would be really, really cool if we could start a club just for us our own little circle of friends. So let's start our own club. Do you remember doing that back in elementary school? I'm embarrassed to actually say I remember these things. And as an aside, uh, I'm not 100% sure about this, but I actually think that young girls are probably better at this particular dysfunction than young boys. But nevertheless, when I was a young boy at Trexler Junior High School in Allentown, there was a young guy named Alan Peters. Now, given the fact that I'm talking about Trexler in Allentown, and maybe one of you might happen to know Alan Peters, I probably shouldn't go by his real name. I should probably change it. So there was a guy at Trexler named Peter Allen. <laughs> and he had an immense dislike for another young boy named Richard Mickey. 
and probably it would be a good thing if we changed his name too. So let's call him Mickey Richards. Peter hated Mickey. I have no idea why, I never knew. But Peter started an I Hate Mickey Club. And Peter handed around a white piece of paper, and across the top it said, I Hate Mickey Club. And down the left side it was numbered, and he passed it around, and you could join probably the easiest club in the world to ever join. I didn't sign it, I thought it was stupid. In fact, honestly, it kind of made me like Mickey a little bit more and hang around him a little bit more. But those are the things we do. We form clubs. We like to belong. Me and my little circle of friends. But here's the thing that we don't understand about the nature of the church. I should say what Jesus intends for our place to be in this world, this land of confusion, the mission of God. This church doesn't exist so that I can have a club. It exists because the people of God are being sent into this world, this land of confusion. And our failure to understand this is what makes us so extraordinarily selfish sometimes. And that really is the word selfish. It's a harsh word, an ugly word, but it's the right word. Because sometimes that's what we are, selfish. I love the music at our church. Or, I hate the music at our church. I have such great friends at my church. Or, no one ever says hello to me at my church. I love the cafe we have at church. Or, I think the cafe is stupid at our church. This could go on for a while, couldn't it? We've all heard it, we've all said it. It is an extraordinarily selfish, self-absorbed way for us to think about church. To put the I in front of the sentence. But that's how we think about it. I, me. And before you start asking for a recall on the whole pastor appreciation thing, (laughs) um, I completely understand. I get it. I am this way too. And I don't like it about myself that I am so utterly selfish and self-absorbed. But here's the thing. I remember sitting along a roadside called the Skyline Drive, coming home from an event in Asheville, North Carolina, where I had gone alone by myself without anyone I knew, to struggle with my calling from God, this whole pastor thing. Now, I already was a pastor. In fact, I was more than 10 years into it. But I just wasn't sure that I belonged, and I wanted to know. 
To tell you the truth, I came back without any answer, but what I discovered was something that I thought I knew all about. Grace. I was ambushed by God at that conference, and rather than him giving me an answer to the question, he gave me grace. And I experienced it, and felt it, and utterly believed in grace. And so on the way home, I pulled my car over and sat on a stone wall, and I said to God out loud, this is so good. I want everyone to know it. How could I not? Grace turns selfishness inside out. It cannot be kept to oneself or it is not grace. And that's why Paul wrote in a letter to probably his favorite church, the Philippian followers of Jesus, he said to us, you should have this mind in you, which was also in Jesus, who though, although he was God, did not consider equality with God something to be held onto and grasped tightly. He did not think it was something to be held onto and grasped tightly, so he gave up. He gave up all of his divine privileges and took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. And as a human being, he humbled himself even more in obedience to God, and he died a criminal's death on a cross. That is hardly selfish, and that is the mind we share. The mission of God that was given to Jesus, Jesus now gives to us to be sent into the world, our land of confusion. Our mission is about so much more than creating a place for us. It has to be about God's ongoing invasion of our world. Now, there's one more thing about this sending from this prayer. At the end of the section that I read, where Jesus prays specifically for us, he prayed a little bit about the method of our sending, in which he said this, I pray that they, meaning us, the followers of Jesus in future generations, I pray that they may be one. Just as you and I are one, and you are in me, Father, and I am in you, and may they be united in us so that the world, this land of confusion, will believe that you sent me. Now, here's the thing about this unity. The unity that Jesus is praying for, this oneness, it's uh, this thing that we're kind of so embarrassingly bad at as a church in this world. This unity is like a coin with two sides, and the one side is what we always think about. The idea that this unity, this, this unity is meant to be an ability to overcome our differences with godly love as a witness to the world. That's the way we usually think about it, as a witness to the world. 
so that the rest of the world will look at us and say, wow, look at them, look at how they love each other. That's the way we usually think about it, but there's another side to this coin we don't often think about. And that side is that the unity that Jesus prayed for is absolutely required if we are going to succeed at being sent. In other words, we can't do it alone. We can't do it alone. We are required to work together in this. Now, I've been thinking about this for two weeks now, and I thought about the fact that if I wanted to, I could just continue talking about being united. But you don't need to sit in your butts any longer and listen to one more person talking about it. We need to do it. So let's talk about what we can actually do. One, get to know the world. There's a new movie coming out uh, called Borat. I didn't see the first one, and I don't know if I'll get around to seeing the second. But some of the humor in the movie that's kind of directed at us, some of the humor is so on point, and some of it is just hilarious. I don't know if you know this, but the character Borat, he's not a real character, okay? But the character Borat is actually from a real country. Did you know that? He's from Kazakhstan. Does anyone know where Kazakhstan is? A few of you. For most of us, it's over there somewhere, right? Does anybody know what country it shares borders with? Does anyone know how many Christians live there? Does anybody know how many Kazakhs live here? So here's a map from a fantastic organization called Operation World. There's a book that was around when I was in college, Operation World. Um, books were things with real pages and real maps. <laughs> Operation World has now put all of this online, and you can go online and find it at operationworld.org. And there it is. I don't know, can you read it? I should have brought my pointer. Andy, do you mind running in? On my right-hand side where my pencils and stuff, there's a pointer in there, and I'll show you where it is. Um, I was reading about Kazakhstan this morning from Operation World. There are roughly 30,000 Kazakhs here in the U.S. 13% of the Kazakhs in Kazakhstan are Christians. Did you find it? Thank you, Andy. So if this thing still works, right there is Kazakhstan. Russia... Mongolia, China, Uzbekistan, Kyrgyzstan, all of those stands, Georgia, right there. That's Kazakhstan. Now, I don't know if that helps. Do you know where Russia is? Okay. <laughs> um, so I hope that orients you a little bit. Kazakhstan has 76 different people groups, most of them speaking a different language. Heroin is a huge problem. They grow it there. It's easy to get. So get to know the world. 
buy a globe, buy a map, go to operationworld.org. Whenever you hear about another country, if you go to see the movie Borat, whenever you hear about another country, get in the habit of learning something about it. Use Operation World to read about it. Pray for it. When you put your clothing on in the morning, look at the tags. I am wearing Bangladesh. Bangladesh, by the way, is, is on this map. There's India. Bangladesh is right there to the right of India. I'm wearing Bangladesh. I'm wearing Vietnam. Vietnam is also on this map. There's Laos. There's Vietnam. Um, and I am wearing Mexico. Not on this map. So every morning when you get dressed, look at the tags. See what country you're wearing. Pray for that country. Learn about our world. The second thing you can do, build relationships based on friendship, not money, not status. There's a pastor at a very large church, very influential church. You would know the church. Big budget, lots of people, yada, yada, yada. All the time that he worked there, this pastor's inbox was always full. His phone rang all the time. His phone was always dinging with texts. People wanted him for their boards, never paid for his own meal anywhere he went, always being invited to speak at conferences. In Christian circles, he was always able to name drop about his Christian prominent friends and his kind of Christian rock star friends. Then he left that church, started a small ministry with no budget, no status, no clout. And all of a sudden, he couldn't find a friend. Many of us, many of us North American, middle class Christians, very good people, we relate to the rest of the world as if we have the resources, they have the need. So we show up thinking, how can I help? And we pull out our wallets in truth or symbolically. What we have, you need, is how we think. And we do not realize, listen to this sentence, we do not realize that in many, many, many ways they have what we need. I learned this in Ghana. The people of Ghana do not lack for joy. Do you think our country needs joy? The people of Ghana never walk into church and think, why does no one talk to me like many of us do? The people of Ghana are not lonely like many of us are. In many, many, many ways, the people of Ghana have what we need. But in our North American middle-class view of the world, we're convinced that money is the answer. Prosperity is something we prize. So we walk into the rest of the world thinking we have what you need. So learn to build friendships build relationships based on genuine friendship, 
not on money or status or with the idea that you have the answer that you're to give her. And to do this, to build relationships based on friendships, many of us are going to learn the have to learn the really, 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 really hard lesson of learning to receive. It's almost painful to say. There's an international student who was here in the States with his family getting a degree. He got involved in a local church, and for three Sundays in a row, one of the families in that church invited he and his family over for dinner, and it was wonderful. On the fourth Sunday, that international family wanted to reciprocate, and they said to that family, would you do us the honor of coming over to our apartment next Sunday after church for dinner? And the church family said, oh my, thank you, but you're the ones who need the assistance, so thank you, but no, you keep coming to our house. Needless to say, that relationship never went anywhere, and it died before it got started. Hospitality is a virtue, not just in our country, but in some countries, it's a supreme virtue. And for many, many, many people, regardless of how little they have, they want to share and want to give, so learn to receive. Another U.S. pastor was traveling to Zimbabwe. He lost his luggage on the flight. He had only the clothing he was wearing. His host, a Zimbabwean pastor, tried to take him to a store and buy him some clothing. And the U.S. pastor refused. And by doing so, just by saying no, he was communicating, I'm not the needy one here. You are. Because it is so hard for us to be needy, isn't it? Some of us really really, really struggle just to receive. Some of us resist that. We refuse to be the needy ones. What an ungodly attitude for people who come to God only by receiving the free gift offered to us through Jesus Christ. There's no other way but to humbly receive. What is there that could possibly change that? So be a person who is humbly willing to receive. So build relationships based on friendship, not money, not status, not anything else than just love. There's another thing you can do, by the way, to build relationships based on friendship, and that is to continue giving, because we do have resources, but to give anonymously. This will require us to check our motives a little bit. Because if there is a real need and you're able to meet it, what does it matter if that person or that organization knows who gave it? You're giving to meet a need, not to be on the President's Club plaque. You're not giving because you want to control or you want some strings attached or to feel superior in any way. You're giving to give. So give, but anonymously. You know, there's a 
there's a line in that song, Land of Confusion. It kind of breaks my heart. Phil Collins sings in that song, Oh, Superman, where are you now? When everything's gone wrong somehow, and there's not much love to go around. How sad it is, how utterly heartbreaking that 2,000 years after God invaded our world with his magnificent kingdom, and the church of Jesus Christ has spread to every continent, that there are people still looking for Superman. And there's not much love to go around. So let's finish with the heartfelt praise, heartfelt prayer that at least where you and I have influence, there will be no shortage of love to go around. Let's pray for that. God, I want to thank you. I thank you so much that you have invaded this land of confusion with your kingdom. God, I thank you for the magnificence of this kingdom. I thank you, God, that it is real and it exists and it is right here, right now, and we can live in it. God, I'm so sorry and I am so deeply saddened how I have sometimes acted, how hard it is for me to receive how hard it is for me to stop being so selfish and self-absorbed. But God, I truly want to be the kind of person living in your kingdom that you want me to be. So I pray, God, I pray that you'll help me to learn to build relationships based on genuine friendship, to love people who are very different from me, Help me, God, to learn more about this incredible world that you've made and the people in it. And help me to love them in the same way that you do. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to know more about Horizon Church, please go to the website of horizonconnect.org. Have a great week.